0: How would you describe what it's like to
1: teach in a one room schoolhouse? I feel like it's walking a tightrope a lot of the time and everything that happens in any other school happens here.
2: So I went from not having a dad and wanting that guide myself to now becoming that guide to so many people. I've been called the internet's dad. They've also called me the Mr. Rogers of the next generation. Uh, I can't live up to Mr. Rogers.
0: here, and that's right, you're back on the Stroller Coaster, the podcast that takes you on the wild ride of parenting, created by Munchkin. We love hearing from you all, so if you have a question or an idea for a topic that you'd like to hear about, email us at podcast at Today, we want to talk about learning learning for our kids, learning for ourselves as parents, learning about ourselves as parents. All the, all the learning, all the learning is on the table. And one of the cool things about being a parent is, I thought I needed to learn how to be a mom, like when my kids were babies, you know, what to feed them, when to put them to sleep, how to swaddle. And I never really thought about how much my kids would teach me. And as they've, as they've grown up, I've learned how to be a better mother to each of them, how to be a better, hopefully more patient person. But they also teach me things all the time. Like my daughter, who's who's in first grade, taught me today that Saturn has 82 moons. Justin, did you know how many moons Saturn has? That,
3: I want to check that fact. That feels like a lot of moons. Has she, is she <laughs> discovered other moons that we haven't previously heard about? Uh,
0: I mean, sh- she might have. I mean, r- really. Here's the thing: she's telling me that Pluto is not a planet, and I'm still, I'm still going to go to my grave saying exactly. Pluto's a planet. Exactly. Put her Are on. You with me?
3: Get her in here. I will fight for Pluto. <laughs> #Hashtag We're fight showing for Pluto. our age.
0: Yes, <laughs> we're, sh- we're showing our age, Justin. It's just better. Nine um,
3: planets is a better number. Eight. It Come is. Come on.
0: Thank you. So, um, how, like, do you learn from your kids all the time?
3: Uh, yes, um, I mean, both like. I feel like I'm always trying to create these moments where it's like, Look, I'm going to teach you something about oh, the garden. Yeah. And uh we go outside and they're like what? not not sort of not interested, but then they're like, Oh look, this bug's coming out of here. I'm like, Well, no, it's and I'm like, Oh, it is a little burrowing bug here that I you've just been paying attention and aware of the world. When I've gone so far to, to, to out of my way to construct this little lesson, it's really just being that's with so, your kids. I feel that's like That's so
0: true. Yeah. That's right. There's like you you come at this with this mic- macro vision of I'm gonna I'm gonna have teachable moments. Yeah. And your kids are usually the ones that point something out to you or make you see the world differently. And and just off your off your bug reference, uh, <laughs> when my daughter was four, we were walking down the street and I was like, Oh, look look at that! I pointed to some insect. And I was like, Oh, look at that little guy! And she's like. Mom, you don't you don't know if the insect is a he
3: or a she. <laughs> oh wow! It's <laughs> like you just schooled me, yes, sister. That's the next generation yeah. right there.
0: The bottom line is, it is so fun to learn with your kids, and we're going to do our best today to learn about learning. We're going to talk to Lynn Houston, a teacher in a one-room schoolhouse in rural Nevada, about what it's like to create a community of students of very different ages. She sounds like a saint. A little later, we'll hear from Rob Kenny from the YouTube channel Dad How Do I about how his father leaving him in his early teens led him to become a role model for millions. So stay right here. Lynn Houston is a teacher in the town of Duckwater in rural Nevada. But she doesn't just teach first grade or fifth grade. She does it all at the same time. One-room schoolhouses may seem like a relic from the frontier days, but there may actually be some lessons here that could change the way students learn everywhere. So, Lynn, I'm not sure when I've ever been more excited to talk to someone. I mean, word on the street is that you're a very humble person, but I think what you do and have done for decades is absolutely extraordinary. How long have you been a teacher in a one room, in your one room schoolhouse?
1: So I've been here since 2000. The one year before that, I taught in a large public school, fourth grade, 40 students in Las Vegas. That was not for me. Before that, I subbed for three years in the Midwest where I grew up in Wisconsin. And at the time, the market of teaching jobs was, oh, every job had 300 applicants. And the only people who were getting hired were people with master's degrees and things like that. And I was 21 and didn't have one of those. And so after the third year, I kind of was like, well, this is not the only blankety blank place in the world that I could teach. (laughs) And everyone said, you know, if if you go to the desert southwest, you'll get a job. And so this was back in the day when you went to the placement office at your university. And they had like all these binders with pages and pages of job listings in them. I was very sure it had to be a typo because it said K-4 teacher and i thought well they've just missed an s because how could there be a k-4 teacher
0: is it a log cabin just let's start <laughs> no
1: no it's a cement block building and it actually has three rooms in it
0: <laughs> all right so. le- let me let me back up um and sort of set the stage for people who will be listening. So this is what I understand about the Duckwater School, where you have taught for decades. It's the only public school for at least 45 miles in any direction. Uh, The closest grocery store or gas station is more than an hour away. And your district that you're in has only a little over 5,000 students, but it is geographically the largest in all the, you know, of lower 48 states, and it stretches almost 20,000 square miles. So this is where you are. How many, in an average year, how many kids have been in your classroom?
1: An average year would be 15 students. I've had as many as 24 in the years when I had some high school students who were doing independent studies here, and that was hard.
0: Spanning what grades?
1: Pre-K to eight.
0: So what is it like to be making sure a pre-K, a four or five-year-old, feels as engaged and challenged as a 12 or 13-year-old?
1: So... It would look like students who are cycling through periods of instruction and then independent practice, but their independent practice might be in a pair or small groups of two or three. Um, They would be helping each other uh, because the teacher is teaching the next group. And if you're going to interrupt the teacher while she's teaching, you need to be bleeding or not breathing. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so
0: <laughs> we we just interviewed someone about work-life balance and she said the bees are bleeding um barfing something's broken or burning so
1: there you go yeah um I, I've always told my kids you, there are several things you don't have to ask permission for if you are going to barf or pee your pants or whatever just like get out just go you don't have to ask <laughs>
0: what adjectives would you apply to your experience i mean how would you describe what it's like to teach in a one room schoolhouse
1: i feel like it's walking a tightrope a lot of the time there are so many time pressures and everything that happens in any other school happens here and i think that the way we've adapted to that is having being very prepared having a lot of structure but also having flexibility that sometimes things don't go how you plan sometimes this kid needs extra time. Sometimes tomorrow we're going to do it again because it just didn't work out. That's exactly like being a parent, right? It is. It is exactly like that.
0: You know, Lynn, through the pandemic, I think most parents in our country get a little taste of feeling like they were running a one-room schoolhouse. And that's some of us with one kid or two kids, maybe three kids, right? You have sometimes 20 kids at a time. What is that like. Emotionally, how do you presumably stay calm and focused and meet so many different needs coming at you all the time?
1: So sometimes it is chaotic. We try to limit chaos. You know, we try to have structure. I have talked to parents, all the parents that we did home-based you know, through the computer, video conferencing sorts of classes. And what I repeatedly told them is, I see you, hang in there. I know you have all of these pressures. I know you still have to go to work, or at least one of you does, or both of you do, and you've got to like sort of switch off. And every teacher I talk to says the same thing. We see you. We know the pressures you're under.
0: That's so generous. Because I feel, as a parent, I feel the I see you now. You know, I've always appreciated, I think you and I are both getting choked up. I've always appreciated my children's teachers, but when I have a new understanding of the seem, just bottomless patience and generosity of, of spirit that people like you have, Lynn, so thank you. What is a meaningful memory that, or story that stands out to you from all your years of teaching?
1: I had a first grade student who was very, very attached to her mom. And every day she would say, I miss my mom. I don't feel well. I have to go home sick. At the same time, my son was a second grader. And so I'm dealing with him and her at the same time. And they're uniquely different, but they both require this well of patience that I feel like I was never good at. The two of them changed not only how I teach, but how I parent It helped me to understand about being patient and how that will get me what I want much more likely (laughs) than being angry or impatient or grumpy or punishing or whatever.
0: What a profound realization. Being patient, I mean, we want to teach kids this, but we as parents and adults and teachers need to know that being patient will help you get what you want. Gosh, it takes a lot out of you, but wow, what a profound realization. When you started here at Duckwater, you were the only teacher. So what would happen if you felt sick?
1: I brought a blanket and a pillow and laid on the floor and taught kids. Oh my gosh. Like, did you ever throw up in front of the kids? I, I, I never details. I never did, but okay. I have had other things like, um, for example, the reason why I ended up having an aid is I was trying to get some windows open and they had been painted shut. Only I didn't know that. And so I was like, I'm like banging on the window, trying to get it to open. And my hand went right through the window. <gasps> and then I jumped to the car and drove myself to the emergency room, 65 miles away and had six stitches put in my arm and it all worked out just great.
0: Um, Your experience as a teacher is extremely anomalous and unique. What do you think parents can learn from the experience you've had helping raise and grow and teach multiple kids at all different ages?
1: I think sometimes parents are really concerned about, hey, I have these values, these things that I believe in really strongly, and I'm sending my kid off to school where maybe there's another adult who has a different view of things. And certainly in today's hotbed political angst, I think sometimes parents are worried that their values might get lost. And really, I feel like, you know, parents are the ones who spend the vast majority of time with their kids and to not worry that those values that they have, those things they feel are super important, that that's going to get lost because they will believe what their parents talk to them about. So talking to their kids about, hey, these are things we think are important. These are values that we have. Their kids will follow what their parents say. I can't tell you how many times kids will say, Um, well my parents think or my parents told me or you know their parents really well and you can just hear their voice coming out um, in from their kids mouths so I think that's probably a thing don't don't stress don't worry about those your kids they hear you they know you
0: we're so grateful you took time to share some of your experiences so Lynn Houston teacher thank you so so much
1: thank you for having me
0: Justin you have two kids right and I have two kids and I cannot imagine taking care of more than two kids, even if they belong to me. I can't imagine taking care of two other kids who don't belong to me.
3: Yeah. The two person schoolhouse I'm running over here is not been going so hot. <laughs> How's it uh, going? Not so hot.
0: Yeah. Your, your bonnet looks a little, uh, yeah. looks a little flaccid. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> there's, um, there's some dissent among the ranks. The, the teachers uh, are striking. The teachers on strike. The students have taken over. Um,
0: I am, I am, you can, I'm speechless. I am, I am astonished by Lynn Houston. She is incredible. Yeah,
3: and, like, she seems so casual about it all when it does feel like, you talk about, like, using all parts of your brain to be able to, you have to contain all that information in your head and juggle it all day long, every day. And,
0: and, and make it age appropriate simultaneously for every kid there. That's what I'm saying.
3: So it's like, it is... That's a level of – I feel like she could be uh, running f- whole cities. Uh, that's like how – that's how we should choose a president right there. <laughs>
0: exactly. Lynn Houston, 2024. Yeah, I, know, 100%. I am in.
3: If you can manage uh, 12 to 15 students, you should be able to manage about 50 states.
0: One room to one country. Children learn from all sorts of places. Teachers, peers, and, of course, their parents – But in the absence of parents, where can a kid learn those important life skills that we all pick up at home? Well, Rob Kenny's father left him in his early teens. And after he became a father himself, he wanted to create a place on the internet for young people to come and learn things like uh, like how to tie a tie or change a tire or iron your clothes. <laughs> I'm just realizing this is a list of things I don't know how to do. He started Dad, How Do I? And in less than a year, he's gone viral and racked up 3.35 million subscribers. Here's Felice with our parenting story of the day.
4: Rob Kenny is the man behind the YouTube channel, Dad How Do I, where he teaches people how to do basic life skills with a little bit of heart and encouragement.
2: So today I'm going to start a new series called Tool Tuesday, and it's Tuesday and I'm covering tools.
4: He has over 3 million viewers on YouTube, but his life didn't start out as you might expect.
2: I come from a fractured home myself. When I was 14, my dad came home and said he was done raising kids, and I'm one of eight kids. I'm number seven. That was pretty brutal to hear that. And he told the older siblings that they either needed to take us in, take the younger siblings in, or we were going to foster home. My mom struggled with some mental issues with anxiety. And, you know, this was the 70s. You know, there wasn't very many resources for mental health. And so my mom went to see a therapist. My mom went looking for help. And the therapist told her, oh, Barbara, just buy a new hat. You know, that was pretty tough you know that's uh, <laughs> she's looking for some serious help and that's the help she gets yikes so my mom turned to alcohol and you could see the marriage was slowly falling apart Rob's
4: experience of his father walking out on him at 13 changed the way he looked at parenthood he wanted to be different than his father when it came to spending time with his own kids
2: from that age when that happened to me it was such a gut punch. You know, I determined um, when I had the chance to have my own children, I was going to be engaged and I was going to be, you know, I was going to hang in no matter what. The mission statement was always, I want to raise great adults. I don't want to raise great kids. I don't want them living in my basement. So my wife and I, you know, we determined to make sure that we raised our kids as best we could um, by empowering them. And I tried to include them like when i built a fence i didn't let them stay inside watching pokemon you know i said you're you're coming out here with me and you're going to learn how to build a fence right alongside me it, it was a bonding moment you know it was a chance to get to know them and talk about things you know um, and i just think that that was so important in building that into them so that we had a deeper relationship you know rather than just me telling them what to do we're, we're learning alongside each other
4: As his kids got older, Rob had an idea to bring his fatherly skills to a larger audience.
2: And I had thought of this, my YouTube channel, uh, you know, and I thought of the name Dad How Do I, because I pictured one of my kids in the other room saying, Dad, how do I... And it's practical dad advice for everyday tasks. So I'm trying to uh, help people learn how to do many things. When um, I first started, I started with how to tie a tie and how to shave, and then I did some videos on car stuff. We're gonna go uh, pop the hood and then I'll just show you what what we look for next and how we we jump a car. I said, you know, there's so much more to being a dad than just knowing how to do things around the house. I wanted to be able to share my heart with people, share some wisdom as well. And I also said, I'm proud of you um, because people don't hear that, um, which saddens me. Uh, You know, so many comments, if you come to my channel, you'll see the comments are full of people that have this void in their life where they haven't heard I'm proud of you, or I love you.
4: Rob had no idea his channel would resonate with people and become so popular so quickly. Dad How Do I went viral during its first month online.
2: When my channel went viral, you know, I thought I was gonna help 30 or 40 people and by the time i had 300 i was like oh i got 300 subscribers wow this is pretty cool you know and then it was a thousand and i'm like wow this is resonating on a completely different level people were coming in and watching me tie a tie and bawling. it was resonating so differently um and shaving people have said that they'll just have that on repeat and just watch me shave just because they love the dad moment. That's when it really took off. And, you know, it's like, man, I'm at 400,000. Oh, my goodness, I'm at 800,000. What is going on?
4: Despite his success, there's one thing Rob hadn't come to terms with yet. His feelings toward his father.
2: I I did forgive my dad. That was a struggle for me. and But then when I understood that that was in my best interest to forgive my dad, (laughs) when I finally somebody painted the picture for me of that saying that says, You know, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and you're hoping that somehow it hurts that other person. When someone broke it down for me like that, I could get my head around it and was like, boy, that's so right. I'm drinking the poison and my dad has moved on. So I went from not having a dad and wanting that guide myself to now becoming that guide to so many people. I've been called the internet's dad i'd never give that name to myself because i just think it's a little self-serving and it's not true to who i am if other people are calling me that they've also called me the mr rogers of the next generation uh, you know i can't live up to mr rogers i love the fact that i went viral for something positive and i'll take the platform and do the best i can to continue to spread kindness because the world needs more kindness i think again i think the perfect storm of the pandemic happening and a dad coming in and kind of help calming people, I think was a big reason why things went viral. I'm pretty blessed to have the platform that I have to be able to give back what I didn't have. I love you. I'm proud of you. God bless you.
0: Justin, you know, First of all, I I need someone to, to teach me how to do everything. I think I've mentioned before. I I had never even made mac and cheese before I had yes. children and or scrambled an egg.
3: Your test <laughs> kitchen is going well, I hope. Yeah. yeah,
0: oh yeah. But something I think I love most about Rob, he's like, you're doing okay. You're doing okay. Like. I think what, what the people who turn to him crave is not only life lessons, but the knowledge that someone's bearing witness to them and saying you're doing okay.
3: Well, and he like he has this thing of being the Internet's dad, and he embodies it not just with, like, the little tips on, like, how to tie a tie or or any of these, like, fix-it things. He's, like, trying to be, like, a good dad. He's trying to take care yeah. of you and really, like be there. Something that I think, and he he makes the point, like in the pandemic, everyone needed something to turn to or so isolated and to have this father figure. I mean, he went viral in one month. He, he started it. Uh, he and started
0: it, this during the pandemic. Yeah. Right? And,
3: and one month later, it was like uh, he had millions of followers
0: let's hear some parenting confessions. We're back at the playground to hear what ridiculous secrets parents are willing to confess into our stroller coaster microphone. One time we went skiing, my son kept complaining about his boots. And when we finished at the end of the day, we realized that we had put his boots on the wrong feet.
2: Our son loves the Super Mario Brothers and he knows that they're plumbers. So we told him that he could be one for Halloween if he learned how to clean the toilet. And well, our bathrooms have never looked better.
0: So one night after my kids had gone to bed, my husband and I polished off an entire plate of cookies talking about
1: how our kids were eating way too many sweets.
0: Got your own parenting confession? Send it to us at podcast at We would love to hear from you. This week, we're making bath time just a little bit, actually a lot more fun. We're giving away 10 of Munchkin Baby's first bath gift sets. Each one includes three fun toys to make bath time a blast for your little one. To win, be among the first 10 people to email the words bath time fun to podcast at That's the show. Thanks for taking the ride with us. And thanks to our guests, Lynn Houston and Rob Kenny. If you want more information about any of our guests, check out StrollerCoaster.com. Thank you to Munchkin for helping us put this together. No wonder they're the most loved baby brand in the world. You can buy all of your Munchkin products at Munchkin.com. At StrollerCoaster, we're all about community. So if you have a parenting confession story you'd like to share, a question, a topic you want to hear more about, don't hesitate to reach out to us at podcast at And please do us a favor and spread the word. The more people who listen, the more people who love it, the more stroller coaster we get to do
3: just a reminder if you haven't checked it out yet we have a whole other podcast in this feed it's called stroller coaster Storytime. it's our storytelling podcast for parents and children to enjoy together it's a short fun and creative take on children's stories performed by improv actors and directed by a nine-year-old kid
0: that's the best part it's finally something we don't have to direct
3: (laughs) you do it you're in charge (laughs) the children have inherited the podcast
0: And now, something every parent can use, a timeout for you. Munchkin passionately supports many causes that help care for our planet and invites you to spend a little time now listening to the sound of an Adirondack forest at night. Enjoy, and see you next time on Stroller Coaster.